0: we have and did want to acknowledge that this is indeed pentecost sunday a day of celebration and yet for our sermon this morning we are going to continue uh, with our sermon series that we've been doing lately on prayer we've made it up to what is the fifth request and we're looking at the Heidelberg Catechism's understanding of what this means, I will once again ask the question and invite you to rejoin with me as we read aloud together the answer as given there. So the question is, what does the fifth request mean? Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors' means. Because of Christ's blood, do not hold against us poor sinners that we are, any of the sins we do, or the evil that constantly clings to us, forgive us just as we are fully determined as evidence of your grace in us to forgive our neighbors. Of course, the Heidelberg Catechism is under the authority of Scripture, and we want to hear the teachings of Scripture in accordance with that. And we're going to be looking at two texts, one a little longer and then one very brief one. It's from Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35, and that's on the screen behind me. You can follow along where it is there. It says, Then the disciple Peter came up and said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one of his one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents and since he could not pay his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payments to be made so the servant fell on his knees imploring him have patience with me and i will pay you everything and out of pity for him the master of that servant released him from When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in answer to his master, And in in answer, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. The other text I wanted to read is just a few short verses from Matthew chapter 6. Immediately preceding these verses is when Jesus teaches his disciples the Lord's Prayer. And after concluding that teaching, it says in verse 14 of verse six, chapter 6, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God. Well, in working through the Lord's Prayer, my hope has been that, like me, it's encouraged you to kind of slow down in your prayers and to think about your prayers a little bit differently, but to think specifically about the Lord's Prayer a little bit more intentionally, about what it is that we ask when we make these requests of God in that prayer. And in that, I hope you've been challenged as we've prayed things in the you, your requests, like, hallowed be your name your kingdom come, your will be done, that we are being called to do the work of honoring God's name, of building his kingdom, of conforming our lives to his word and his will. Not just in the words we say in prayer, but it's more about how we go and live in this world. We have been challenged. And again, last week as we switched from the you-your requests to the us-our request of asking God to give us our daily bread, we saw how that was a call to show gratitude for what God has given to us, but then also to share with the abundance that we have. And again, in all, there's been quite a bit of challenge in living this out. But of all of the requests that we have prayed or will pray in this prayer, I truly believe that the request that we are looking at this morning is the hardest of all of the requests to pray. And that's what I'm going to focus on this morning, is just explaining and expounding on why this request is so difficult to truly pray. Now, the first reason I say that this is the hardest prayer to pr- part of the prayer to pray is because it literally is the hardest part of the prayer to pray. You can gather together a group of Christians or a group of people and decide that we're going to say the Lord's Prayer. And you'll smoothly be cruising along, asking all the different requests, and then all of a sudden people will slow down when we get to this part and we have to decide, well, well what are we going to say here? Are we going to ask God to forgive us our trespasses as those who trespass against us? Are we going to ask him to forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors? Or are we going to ask him to forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us? And we have to decide in the moment, what are we going to say? or Are we just going to be comfortable with people saying whatever is most useful, what they're most used to? Now, obviously, that's not that big of a deal to figure out, and we bumble our way through it most of the time. But it does lead us to the more important point, the question, well, what is it that we are praying when we get to this fifth request? Does it different? Is there a difference between the words, trespasses, and debts, and sins? And the short answer to those questions is that, really, they're all pointing to the very same thing, but in the Lord's Prayer, as taught in Matthew 6, the word there is probably most accurately translated debts. And I would also argue, that that gets us the best understanding of what it is that we are praying for here. A debt is something that is owed. We are probably most familiar with it in the financial sector, where there's something that you want to purchase, and you don't have all of the money, so you borrow that money from someone else, and then you are in their debt until you're able to restore or fully pay for what is owed. But... We also use that term in a relational sense. If someone does something very kind to me, is very generous to me, or or gives me an unusual favor, then I will often, or we will often say, well, I'm now in their debt, and I want to make sure that I do something generous or helpful for them so that we can, again, be on the same page. In general, it suggests that the scales are out of balance and that something's going to need to happen in order to try to to fix that, to bring things back into balance. And when it comes to these debts, we're talking about forgiveness, being that thing that's going to restore what is an out-of-balance relationship. But that quickly leads to the second reason why this is the hardest part of the Lord's prayer to pray. The request is to acknowledge the debt that is there. Well, what is that debt? And to whom is that debt owed? And when we start this request, we are acknowledging that we owe God. And I think it's important for us to just sit in that truth for a little bit. Earlier, I talked about a debt in relational terms from a more positive perspective, from you doing a favor for me and me trying to return that favor in kind, but debt can also go the other way as well, as we all know. When we are harmed by another person, the balance of that relationship gets out of whack when they mock us, when they take from us, when they offend us, we feel like they owe us or that we owe them a, a, an in-kind, harmful treatment in order to, again, try to get those scales back in line. Well, if we can think about that from human relationships like that, think about that in terms of what it means with our relationship with God. How often have we harmed, belittled, or offended God? A God whose name we started this prayer with, saying that we wanted to hallow or honor. How often have we abused the name of God, taking it in vain? How often have we taken the claim of christian to our lives but then gone and lived in ways that are completely contradictory to that claim or to that title how often instead of honoring the name of god have we dragged his name through the mud as we've tried to claim to be in relationship with him but have done things that have broken that relationship we owe god honor We have prayed that God's kingdom come. And yet, we so often have lived for our own kingdoms. We have robbed God of his lordship, and we have been too preoccupied with our own little kingdoms, plans, and visions. We have rejected his reign over our lives, and as a result, we owe him service. We have prayed that God's will be done. And yet, every single day, from all kinds of different moments when we have choices that lay before us and we know what God's will is, how often have we ignored the voice of the Holy Spirit and chosen to do our will instead of His? We owe God our obedience. And as soon as we say all of that, I can't help but think again to our Lenten sermon series on the wages of sin and thinking what the just consequences of those sins are. As much as we owe God, He owes us punishment and rejection and dismissal from his holy and righteous presence. Again, we have rejected God's authority. We have questioned his wisdom. We have harmed his name. We have hurt his creation. We have have belittled his beloved children, and we have done it over and over again. Call it whatever you will. Our trespasses, our debt, our sin, These choices that we have made and the things that we have done have taken us away from who God, have taken away from who God is and what he has created and his purpose for our lives. And we are completely out of line in our relationship with him. And we say, yep, Pastor Dave, I know. I'm a sinner. But do we know? are we willing to really look at what we owe God and being honest about it? While we might be good at generally acknowledging that truth, do we, do? and this includes myself, do we really recognize what it means to be in debt to God? I don't know that we always do, and I came across a somewhat humorous story that illustrated the point well, I think. The story is told of a a woman who once was in a conversation with the famous preacher, Charles Spurgeon. And wanting to be very humble and uh, submissive, she approached Pastor Spurgeon and she says, Oh, Pastor, I am a sinner. I'm the greatest sinner that ever lived. I am worse than the Apostle Paul when he claimed to be the worst. There is no greater sinner than I. And then she was caught off guard when the pastor replied, Oh, I know People have told me about your sins. And then, in shock and offense, she said, well, who told you that I was a sinner? But I think we can be a lot like that woman. We're willing to generally acknowledge the truth that, yes, we have broken relationship with God, and we owe him. But when called out on the specific sins when called out on the temptations that we've given into, when even looking at our own lives and being honest at how broken we truly are, so often we get defensive. We don't really want to go there. But it's not right to ask God to forgive us that debt if we're not really willing to look at it, to acknowledge it in the specific ways that we owe God. And that is a part of the point of this parable from matthew chapter 18 as jesus tells the story it's the story that involves a man who has a debt to the king but it is a huge debt the text says that the man owed the king ten thousand talents doesn't mean much to us but uh, trying to convert it a couple of commentaries suggested a few thoughts Uh, first one of them in a footnote suggested that one talent was basically the equivalent to 20 years of labor so you multiply those 10,000 talents times 20 years of wages You realize how big it is. Another commentary tried to convert that into modern dollars and suggested that it was about $2.5 billion that this individual would owe. And that was in a commentary that was written several years ago. So you add modern inflation and that number gets that much bigger. But as we will see, the numbers really aren't the point of this. The whole point is that this is an unpayable debt. It is huge, and there is no possible way that if this person lives ten lifetimes that they would ever be able to pay this off to this king. And yet, when we recognize that that's a debt that's supposed to be, and let us think about a parallel for the debt of sin that we owe to God we recognize how big it is in this prayer you actually have the gall to approach the king of glory and say just let it go forgive us it's a hard thing to be honest about what we go owe to God and it is a hard thing to approach that same glorious God and ask him to forgive that debt so, how do we summon that gall? How do we dare make this request? And that's where I point to the opening line of the catechism. In the answer that it read, it says these very important words because of Christ's blood. Our debt is so great that as we sang in that song of preparation, there is nothing that we could do no all of our sighs and tears and prayers could never bear that awful load our debt is so great that only the sacrifice of the incarnate son of god was a big enough sacrifice to pay the debt of that sin our debt was so great that christ shed his blood on our behalf so that we might even have a hope of being forgiven Forgiveness as a principle is not just forgetting the debt that is owed. It's not excusing the behavior that led to the debt. It is looking at and acknowledging that debt that is owed, but then releasing the person from the obligation to mend it. And while it is hard to be truly honest about the debt that we owe God, the great news of the gospel is that there is forgiveness available. The incredible truth of praying this request is not that we are brought to the point of acknowledging how great our debt is, but as John Calvin said when looking at this request, we can celebrate the fact that it pleases God to forgive our sins. Friend, The good news of this request is that because Jesus did shed his blood on the cross, despite all of the specific things that you and that I have done to offend and dishonor God, that because of Christ, God will look at you and can look at you and say, You owe me nothing. Your debt is forgiven. And as we heard proclaimed to us as we took part in communion last week that Jesus gave his body and blood for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. What a huge, hard thing it is to ask a holy God to forgive us, but our God actually does it. Never never fail to recognize how significant that truth is. But the request doesn't end there. And the third reason, maybe the biggest reason, why this request is so hard to pray is because we get involved. The request continues, forgive us as we Forgive our debtors. Which brings us back to the parable where the whole point of what Jesus was doing wasn't focusing on the king that forgave, but on the negligence of the one and the obligation of the one who had been forgiven. It's told in the context of the disciple Peter wanting to know how to handle the debts, the the harms that other people have done to him, and trying to be very generous instead of suggesting the three times of forgiveness required by the law. He doubles that and adds one and asks if seven times would make him a very gracious and forgiving person. And then the parable in response to that, when Jesus says, not seven, but seven times seven, the parable tells the story again of the man who, having been forgiven of $2.5 billion worth of debt, goes off and finds a man who owes him 100 denarii. And again, putting that in modern terms, according to that same commentary, again a little bit out of date, they suggested that that was about a $4,000 worth of debt. Not small potatoes, not nothing, but certainly nothing in comparison what the man had been forgiven of. But again the point of the story isn't the actual numbers the point is that when it comes to forgiveness when we realize what god has forgiven us of then all of the numbers go out the window and so if we want god to forgive us as jesus applies both this parable and directly applies the teachings of the lord's prayer In Matthew 6, 14 to 15, he says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Which doesn't mean that if you're someone who forgives other people, all of a sudden God owes you forgiveness. But what it does mean is that if we really understand what God has forgiven us of, then we will be changed. And if we really understand that it means for God to answer the first part of this prayer request and forgive us, really understand, then like in the parable, we look more than just a little bit petty and unjust when we can't forgive others. In fact, if we have a hard time forgiving the people that have harmed or offended us, then it may just look like we really don't understand what forgiveness is all about at all. And so does that mean that we have to forgive others? Yes, it does. And this is where you say, but Pastor Dave, that's another thing that kind of sounds nice to do in general, but, but you just don't know what you're asking of from me. You have no idea how much she has hurt me. You have no idea the harm that he has caused in my life. You have no idea how much that person has hurt me and how that hurt is carried with me to this very moment in my life and how much it has changed who I am. I don't think you can ask me to let that go. And you're right. Forgiveness is one of those great ideas until someone takes something from you, until you are hurt, until you are lied to or lied about, until you are owed by someone else. And I have no idea the pain that some of you have experienced and the hurt that many of you carry. And I'm not going to pretend that I do. But here is what I can say. It's not me asking you to forgive. It is the God that has and wants to forgive you of all your wrongs that is asking you to share that grace and forgiveness with others. And secondly, forgiveness does sound hard. And in our strength, it is impossible. But I can tell you that I have heard a lot of stories of people who have done that hard work. And while it looked impossible at the moment, they realized that in forgiving the debt that someone else owed them, it unlifted from them a burden that they themselves were carrying. And it freed them from carrying that burden any longer. I have to acknowledge the difficulty of that, and I can't counsel everyone from this pulpit this morning. But if you are a person that needs to work through this a little bit more, let me offer you a few resources. First of all, a book that I have found extremely helpful in talking about these concepts and ideas is the book by Lewis Smeads, Forgive and Forget. This is a copy I took from our library is just to hold it up and it'll be available after the service once I put it back or you can get your own. But this has been a very helpful tool to help understand what is forgiveness all about and how do we get healed from those harms that other people have done to us. And then I also want to make sure that you know that I offer myself and Pastor Brent and Pastor Lucas' as resources to come and talk to us, and we will be very happy to help you work through all of these uh, what feels like impossible requests in the moment. But hopefully now you see why this is the hardest request for us to pray in this prayer. But ultimately, it's an invitation again to appreciate how much God has done for us in offering us forgiveness. And when and if we truly appreciate that, then it is a request to then turn us into the kind of people that will look and act like our gracious and merciful God. That we will be known for our ability to let go of the debts that others have had against us because we know how much God has let go of the debt that he had against us. And that instead of being known for our vengeance, we will be known for our grace and forgiveness. There's a world that is hurting out there that needs that grace. May we, recipients of God's forgiveness, be willing to go and share that with others. Well, with that hope, let's pray. Lord God and Heavenly Father, we sit before you as those that must acknowledge how much we owe you. And I pray that we would not just say that in general and acknowledge that generally, but that whenever we offend you, Whenever we violate your will, whenever we willingly choose to ignore your plan and lordship for our lives, that we would quickly be struck by your Holy Spirit's work, acknowledge our sin, repent, and ask for forgiveness. Lord, may we know your loving grace And may that change who we are in appreciation of all that you have done for us. And then in knowing that grace, may we show it to others. May we not be so arrogant in our own thoughts of ourselves that we would be unwilling to forgive those that have hurt us. And while I recognize, O Lord, that there is pain, we surrender it to you, And may we be released from carrying that burden that others have inflicted upon us. But Lord, we know we cannot do that in our strength and power. So again, on this Pentecost Sunday, we ask that your Holy Spirit will guide and direct us, will encourage us as we go forth to not only know what it means to live a forgiven life, but to be able to show that forgiveness to others. May we celebrate your grace not only in our lives but in the lives of those that you call your children. This we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.